Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Earlier in the week, I was in here and uh, with someone, we were kind of looking around, and, and the person said to me, You know, Steve, you can preach whatever you want because no one's going to be listening. They're all going to be kind of looking around and seeing what there is to see. And all I could say was, Touche. Um, and so I'm going to go with the flow. And so I'm going to let the sanctuary tell the story of God's grace today. But before we do that, or as a way of introducing, uh, I want to talk about uh, that we just heard. Actually, uh, that word from Deuteronomy, where Moses says, "Choose life." I thought that was really kind of a catching phrase because that really is descriptive of the movement of God from the very first pages of Scripture to the end, that God is always about choosing life. Even from the beginning of choosing life in creation, choosing life as he chose Abraham and Sarah and gave them life, choosing life for us in Jesus Christ and our destiny is that in all things, God will hold them together for good, for life. God chooses life. But not only is it a description of what God does and what God chooses, but the invitation that we would choose life as well. And a recognition that there perhaps is always this choice, this reckoning, because I could choose to live out of self, choose to live each day, tuned with the anxiety and the worry that might in my soul to that or I might choose life that is to live out of faith hope and love each day and I thought then how is it that this sanctuary sort of this redesign give voice to this theme of choosing life you might find it actually could begin right back here with the carbon And Yellen, the architect, uh, began to think about the design of this place. The one thing that people kept talking to him and telling him about is we've got to include this carving in some way. So he started that carving. That carving was done by uh, Henry Geiger, who was a member of this congregation in about 1950. He was a nationally known woodcarver, recognized. Um, across the country. He actually uh, was a member of this church. His grandson, Tom Olmsted, was the chair of the building committee. Um, that carving was done, it was first put at the back above a marble altar. Over time, it finally uh, resided at the altar table, but was sort of tucked underneath. So you could see the skirt pieces, but the heads were If You never quite knew what you were looking Carving back up close to its original height, close to its place, and the faces are lit, and we can see uh, what it is about. And I thought about, what is it about that meal that says something so important about how God chooses life? I think about, you know, in that night, Jesus gathered his friends, his disciples, for a meal of fellowship. He knew is trial and probably his death were going to happen. And yet he had this confidence life for him. And okay. 
And so in that night, which he could have lived out of anxiety and terror, yet chose life and to gather and to talk about God's forgiveness and grace with his friends. It's interesting that night, the disciples, it's like they will have forgotten because they will choose self-preservation. One's going to betray Jesus, the other will deny him, and the rest will run away in fear. And I think we remember that meal so much because it sort of brings together, sort of in one moment, the terror that we experience and how often we choose self-preservation break through with that offer of life and forgiveness and grace. And it all is in that meal. Just think about what we say in the night in which he prayed. Self-preservation. Jesus broke it. He said, here is my life for you. This table gives voice or kind of expression to that meal of fellowship with Jesus. There's a reason uh, that it has been brought out and actually the shape of a table. You could actually put chairs around it, have a turkey dinner here. There would be room for everyone. Uh, for us as a church to come to terms with that because so often our, alt- our tables have been altars against the back wall. They'll be marble or fixed. Often the pastors would have to face away from the congregation to do the communion. Here in this church, we started that way. It was only like in the 50s where they pushed the altar out three feet so the pastor could stand behind and at least look at you. But it was still a marble altar. In the 80s, we made a table, but you know, it still kind of had an altery shape. It was kind of narrow. It was wide. done it, I guess. It didn't really have a table because that table gives expression to the table where the disciples gathered around with Jesus and he shared that meal of fellowship. There's something else. The table out and letting it be a table in the whole chancel a little bit more into the middle of the room. And it has to do with this, that worship is not meant to be something that we watch somebody else do. You are not meant to be, uh, as Pastor Craig would say, pew potatoes, couch potatoes in the pew, watching something. But when we come, we come to worship to be the people of God together and in our action together to give voice and expression to this goal of choosing life. So how does that work? You think about how worship is meant to involve our whole body. We stand to sing in praise. We sit to listen. We come forward with hands outstretched and we receive the bread and the wine. You might say, Worship is more of a contact sport uh, than just simply an a, a observation thing. And we shake hands with one another. We engage with one another. And all of that, in our participation, we are choosing life. We are engaging in God's life for us. The cross. The of participation even maybe to be experienced here at the cross. Now, when you came in the door, probably notice the cross as sort of the simplicity and and how the shadows of the cross play again.
and draw close to it because actually the cross is about this wide looking this way, it's thin looking straight on. And as you come forward and you look at it, you realize the cross changes invites your participation. Um, is that the whole movement of God and the movement of faith is not about how I'm going to heaven, how I'm going to get good with God, but rather how it is that God comes to earth, God comes to me, precisely at the where I So Luther said, you know, when you are in trouble, you go to the cross. When you feel God or someone has sort of uh, pointed out something, maybe there is a secret in your soul that you wonder, maybe I'm not acceptable. Luther said, go to the cross, meet your Savior there who died for you. When you're up late at night and you're worried and you're stressed out and in a sweat, when you wonder, is my life going to be okay? Maybe cancer, maybe it's a loss of a job, maybe it's something that just, you know, makes you scared. Luther said, go to the cross. Because if God was with Jesus at the cross, he surely will be with me in my moments of the cross. And the design of that cross is one that is meant to invite you forward, engage it to participate with your life in the shadow of the cross, and in that way to have a sense how God chooses life for you. Now we experience God's word of life in three ways here in this sanctuary. Um, we talk about as a word of life is one word of life that is offered to us. This word of God has been written over a thousand years from the Old Testament to the New, but over many years and many books, yet we believe it is one word of life given to us that finds us core and center in Jesus. Now, remember, we used to have two reading stands. We had a lectern and we had a pulpit. And that was because we thought, well, there's the Old Testament, there's the New Testament, there's the law, there's the gospel. But as a church, we've come to understand that in those two ways, yet there is one word of life, that all of God's word works together so that we might receive the life that God would have for us. You'll see over there uh, a purple wall. On the liturgical year, as we let the life of Jesus inform our life. Advent, you know, we have the season of waiting and anticipating for the birth of Christ, so we join our life. Uh, to that rhythm of anticipation in the Bible. In Lent, just as Jesus had, was 40 days in the wilderness, so we have 40 days of Lent walking to the cross and then reflecting, what does it mean for me to choose life over self-preservation when it comes to my prayer, works of love, my devotion to God? We've hired or uh, commissioned a um, silkscreen artist Kristen Gile, she's in Washington State. She's done work for Holden Village. She's going to create five sets of pyramids for the ambo, the altar, and the niche for each of the seasons of the year, and they are going to be 
wonderful. And so what we've done is we've just sort of put a placeholder there with that purple cloth, but our first one uh, will be coming at Easter time, and we're so excited about that. And then we'll have a new design as we go through those seasons. But those designs are simply meant to help us to interpret and engage in the scriptures and in the season and to let the story of Jesus become our story, the word of life. We experience the word of life also in two other ways. That is, where Jesus joins together God's promise with something physical. So here in the waters, God's promise of love and grace is joined to the waters so that my welcome into God's family becomes personal. I kind of think of baptism as like a hug from God. There's nothing abstract or general. You got wet, you belong, that's it. We find our entry uh, in baptism and then we are sustained in our journey of life here at the table where God joins together his promise of life with bread and wine. And we come forward and take that Jesus so that the word of life might dwell in us. There is a toast. And the toast is this, l'chaim, to life. They would say that toast at a wedding, you know, that the bride and the groom would have many children and the grandparents would have many grandchildren and they would say, to life. But I also think about that toast as something else. Because when we say to life, what we're saying that in the mysteries, joys and sorrows and all that we experience, what we believe fundamentally is that God is always choosing life for us, working life. And when we come to church, when we participate and have our life together, what we do is we join into God's life and we say, L'chaim, for life, to life, that God's life might be in us. L'chaim. Let's say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. L'chaim. L'chaim. To life. Amen.